0: I hope you uh, have had a good summer so far. I personally like summer, I like hot weather, no problem for me, I enjoy it a lot. And maybe you've gotten away with your families a little bit. We found, this, this is unusual, we found five days where my two daughters and their families and Sandy and me, our calendars matched. That was in mid-July. So we went down to Southern California where they spent, my daughter spent the first 12 years of their lives. And we, we visited SeaWorld in San Diego one day. And uh, there's, uh, there they are. Uh, my younger daughter, Angela on the right, Meredith in the middle, and her little son, our grandson, Paxton. Paxton has life right where he wants it, the, right there. And we had more fun with him and a lot of fun. And uh, just a great time together. But well, while we were at SeaWorld, we, stu- we thought we'd try uh, the uh, the wilder roller coasters there, like we used to do when they were younger. And now my daughter on the right is expecting, so she couldn't do it. But her husband came, and then Meredith in the middle and me. We went on this one. It's called it's it's called um, Emperor Emperor. Yeah, the Emperor, like the Emperor Penguins, and. So you start with a 14 story drop vertically, free fall. We were on the last row of that carriage there. And, uh, and then on the right is what faces you after you drop 14 stories. And it's, it's upside down loops and corkscrews and twists and turns, sudden turns, and it was a riot. My, my daughter Meredith was sitting right beside me and she was screaming the whole time and it just was lots of fun. So, so we did, my stomach was okay. Uh, but I had a bit of a headache afterwards because there are a lot of vibrations and it kind of got me that way. But we, we just had a great time together. It was fantastic um, doing this. And I, I've always thought that that roller coasters is a bit of a paradigm for life. Uh, they go up, <laughs> life goes up it goes down, has its peaks and its troughs and its sudden unexpected turns and its place that places that may leave you with a bit of a headache at times. Um, or, or your stomach a little upset. I mean, life has its turns. And that's definitely, you know, the way Sandy and I have looked at life back when we came back to pastor the church here after working next door at the Sons of God headquarters for nearly 10 years. When we came back, we just, Sandy got this this picture we put on the wall, and it says something like, welcome to the adventure. You know, life is like full of adventures, and it's amazing when, your life's surrender to the Lord. Who knows the adventures he, he, he gets you on? But our church has been through those, like uh, a, little, you know, a little more than a handful of years ago. We, we, uh, you, as a congregation, went through a major pastoral change, and uh, you had months and months where you were letting go of the past and you didn't know where the future was going to take you, and uh, I was shocked as anybody that God would call us back to pastor here with all of you. And we were absolutely loving it. And we're very excited about the year coming up ahead. But, but uh, you know, then we hit, so we were settling out and starting to settle in. And then we hit COVID. And we had lockdowns and quarantines. And, and we had we had, you know, the George Floyd tragedy and racial division in our country and unemployment as a lot of people lost jobs, and we had a very divisive presidential election and, and churches all over the country. I mean, churches were literally splitting over politics and COVID policies, and it was a miserable year. I've had two hard years as a pastor. One was 1988 and the other was 2020. I just did not enjoy. I love you, but that was just a tough year to be a pastor. And then we kind of been settling out. And then we had some staff changes. Uh, We had, in fact, I think we lost four female pastoral staff members, mainly because of their husbands taking jobs. Uh, And so we've we've been walking through some pastoral changes and and kind of resettling in post-COVID, slowly people coming back. And we're grateful. A lot of churches are still only at 70% of pre-COVID live attendance. But through COVID, we added online. Welcome to all of those of you online. Usually another... 30 to 50% of who's live here are online faithfully every Sunday. And so our congregation is growing. We've been continuing to grow. We're back and exceeding pre-COVID attendance. And and it's been just, but it's been a roller coaster. And I'm grateful for the patience all of you have had, the prayerfulness all of you have had, and, and the wonderful life we share together as a congregation. It's been amazing. But at some point like that roller coaster I was on, you got to stay rooted, got to stay grounded. And thank God the 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 footings of that roller coaster weren't moving while we were moving. And and I wanted to end our our just Jesus series out of mark that we started right after Easter with what I think is the grounding for all of us. We we can go through all kinds of roller coaster ups and downs and unexpected turns, but here is what grounds us. And it's found in Mark chapter 12. Pastor Don did an amazing job on Mark chapter 13 last week, but I wanted to land right here in verse 28. And for the reading of God's word, would you stand with me, please? And I'm going to have your help in just a moment. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, and noticing This is verse 28. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Like what comes before everything else? That's a pretty bottom line question. So I'd like you to read Jesus' response out loud with me. Uh, You can just read it off the screen so we're in the same version. Verse 29, out loud together. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Amen. That's what will keep us grounded right there. And thank God for the genius. They would debate over all the 600 plus laws in the Old Testament. They debate often over what was more important than the other. And it's sheer genius to drill it down to two things and say, everything else is a result of this, and this is what you are called to be. So may God give us grace and bless his word to our hearts. You may be seated.
1: I feel the need to jump in before we go any further, Pastor Jim, and say, this family talk does not end with Pastor Jim retiring. I can see some (laughs) of the looks on Uh your faces, and uh, this is not where we're going today. So, didn't mean to tease that in any kind of way that was bad.
0: That thought had not crossed my mind before you said it in the first (laughs) service, but um, I'm not ready to quit yet. But... um, I see Elton Garrison, our former general superintendent in the Sons of God, and and Johanna. uh, I'm just following his example. He's doing a terrible time being retired. (laughs) He preaches all the time all over the world and helping to revitalize churches. This question, what's the greatest law, of course brings us to the Old Testament connection because the questioner was asking Jesus in the Old Testament, all these laws, which is the most important. And so just to revisit it one more time, when Jesus answers him, as he's immersed in the Old Testament, and, and so many things Jesus says has links to the Old Testament, and here he's actually quoting out of the Old Testament, when he answers. First of all, verse 29, uh, I mean, verse 29, when he talks about loving God, he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 in verse four, "Hero O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God." With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength so jesus is quoting moses there and that's it and then the second commandment because jesus said you can't there's another one if you love god there's something else you can't disconnect from that And, and that's the world around you and the people around you and so there he quotes out of leviticus 19 and verse 18 do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone That'd make for a wonderful church, wouldn't it? I'm I'm grateful for the, I mean, the great degree to which you live that. Don't seek revenge. Don't bear grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. Or we could understand that. Love your neighbor who is like you. Love your neighbor as yourself. When I, uh, my friend Steve Grant, he was in first service of KY3 fame. He, uh, when he knows I'm going to travel uh, sometimes he'll drop a book by the church office, and then he'll email me and said, I just left a little airplane reading for you. And so uh, Mark Lamberton, president of Fuller Seminary, just published a book called, and so this was my airplane meeting reading from Steve Grant this summer. And uh, I'll, put, I'll put the words of a paragraph on the screen. Sometimes the church is just odd. Our habits, our speech, our attitudes, our potlucks, whatever. Every church is something particular. And you smell it the moment you're on the premises. But the point isn't whether a church is odd, but whether it's odd because it imitates Jesus Christ. That's, in a countercultural way, what needs to make us odd. He goes on to say, And no offense to, by the way, I'm grateful to have Pastor Carter here who manages day-to-day operations and manages the staff here. And um, just, I couldn't do this without him. Thank you. So no, no offense to executive pastors, but Lamberton goes on to say, the attention to structures, the organization of programs, the advocacy efforts and other tasks All of that is just housekeeping detail if the vocation of simply following Jesus in loving God and neighbor is not primary. I mean, nothing's changed since when Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. Everything about what we do is just housekeeping detail if our life isn't centered in loving God and loving one another and thereby being like Christ.
1: Yeah, we we actually hope that that is what underpins all of the housekeeping details I get to work with our team on uh, every day and every week uh, is all about. We actually uh, like to talk about that in terms of our mission statement. It's what we are here to do as a church. In fact, I distinctly remember about 20 years ago, right after Pastor Jim came, we refined that statement, and we actually built that mission statement around this very passage of Scripture, and it's designed to do just that, to help us remember that as individuals, but also as a church family, uh, our primary function is to get this right about loving God first and loving our neighbor uh, as an outflow of that. And our mission statement just has three parts, so we just thought it would be good to walk through those today. The first, uh, we, well, we just want to be a church that connects people to God, to each other, and to our purpose in life. And so the three parts of that are pretty straightforward. The first is we want to connect people to God. This is we see that right in this passage uh, that Jesus says himself the most important commandment is to recognize that God is God and to love him with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and our strength. That's basically saying with everything that we have, every tool that he's given us, every part of our being, we need to love God. So we want to be a church that of people who get that right in our own lives and who get that right uh, in the things that we choose to do as a corporate body. But when we do that, we see Jesus kind of connects these dots for us. When we love God effectively, it opens our eyes to the people around us who God loves as well. And we want to start to love the people of God, the people that God created in his image, in the same way that God loves us. We want to reflect that love of God. And that requires us to be able to be in relationship, in connection with others. So the second piece is to connect to others. So we connect to God, and the outflow of that connection to God is a connection to other people. And Jesus says that very clearly. We're to love our neighbor, our fellow person, our fellow humans uh, the same way that we love ourselves, the same way we look out for ourselves and care for ourselves. We should show that degree of love and care and uh, identity to other people. But I also think there's a third thing, and Jesus, it's kind of implied in this passage, it's said a little more explicitly at the end of Mark and at the end of Matthew, but it's that when we get that love for God right, and it produces in us a love for other people, we can't help but want those people to have that same connection to God that we have, right? We want that for other people. So that imputes a ministry purpose for every single one of us that love God and that love each other. It doesn't just stop with loving each other. It means that we need to be a minister of God for those people. And I believe that we believe as a church, every person that can hear me talking right now has a ministry purpose on their life. It doesn't mean that you all need to go quit your day job and become a pastor. There are maybe a few of us that do that. In fact, the role of the pastors we see in Ephesians is to equip everyone else to successfully engage that work of ministry. So, we believe very clearly, you know, Paul talks later in the New Testament about uh, we form the body of Christ, and each person's a part of that body, and each body part is unique. You've been placed, gifted with a set of gifts that only you have, that only, you know, you're the only you, you know, and I'm the only me, thank goodness, right? Uh, But but you're the only you, and you uh, have a specific placement in the body of Christ. So, as you fulfill that placement, you also have a ministry function that you need that you need to follow. You can see we've illustrated this on the screen, this connect to God, connect to each other, and connect to our purpose uh, as a series of three circles. And that's just a reminder. It's got that arrow going out from the middle. That order is important. We say these in the same order every time, God, people, purpose, uh, every time, because that's the order that it has to start. in. there's no way that I can connect to my job so effectively that I back into a relationship with God just from that. But when I start with God in the middle, I think sometimes I think about this as you, know, you drop a rock in a lake and the circles radiate out from the central point. So when we start with God as the central point, we get that full set of circles radiating. You try and start somewhere else, you never get yourself. The circles don't work backwards into that, into that central point. So we start with a love for God. That love for God shoves us toward a love for other people. We can't help but love other people when we love God effectively. And when we do those things, we feel a burden for those people around us to care for them uh, as, as fellow believers and as fellow people. So we see this God, people, and purpose. We actually look at this very carefully, and we want to make sure everything that we do as a church family, and I encourage you as individuals to make sure everything you do is reflecting, I, I'm connected to God, I'm connecting to other people, and I'm connected to my purpose, my God-given purpose in life. We tend to express that at Central. We don't say these words a lot from the platform, but we talk internally some about kind of the three core experiences where we do that. And those are worship services, connecting groups, and ministry teams. And uh, it's not that, you know, you kind of see there's a relationship in in each circle to those things, but we still want to live out our entire mission statement. We want to connect to God, others, and purpose when we're in a worship service just like this. Worship services on Sunday are our primary vehicle to worship together corporately and to enjoy the teaching of God's Word. But then we also connect in smaller groups during the week, and we also have opportunities for you to serve uh, others around you and kind of everything that we do we can almost organize around those things and we actually have uh, a lot of exciting things happening in all three of those areas right now don't yeah we?
0: so let's true. talk about connecting as a church family in those through the grid of those three areas um first of all sunday a.m as you know um bef- some of you know uh before covid we had one service we were all together it was a 10:30 service and uh, then uh, when we reopened after a few months uh, um, in 2020, we went to two services. Remember, we had things taped off six feet apart. Remember all that. So we went to two services so people would feel safe coming to church and uh, people could spread out. we needed the two services for that. Um, slowly over time, of course, people started coming back to live services. Uh, so grateful Colin Ray had joined our team the fall before COVID uh, and we were laying the groundwork for live streaming which we do now and so we just depended on online church only for a few months but people started coming back slowly and it was that was a wonderful thing until we are where we are now so last summer last summer we felt like we're post-COVID enough that we could maybe look at going back to having one service because this is a very large auditorium and we were growing. New people were being added to the life of the church. Giving was growing. But, but, um, but um, we, we, we still had room for more bodies in the auditorium. We find that whereas, you know, a number of years ago, most people, a lot of people come three to four times, Sundays a month to church. Now that's largely one to three Sundays a month. Most people are there. So uh, we'd probably pack this place if everybody in the church, where we are right now, was here at one time. But it's rare we have more than 60% of the congregation here on a given Sunday. So we were looking at maybe we need to go back to one service. And we were looking at that last year, but we we have classes that meet both hours, 9 o'clock and 1045. Adult discipleship classes, wonderful classes, especially a large class. Taught by Dr. Wave Nunley and Ruth Olberg when she when he's gone. Uh, the Faith Builders class, it meets at, it's meeting right now over in the Activity Center. And, uh, and that class and a couple others, we had no space solutions a year ago. So we just put aside any plans of going back to one service. And uh, over this past year, we with the flexibility of some of our classes, and the willingness of faith builders to, to move to 9 a.m. in a new space we're creating for them. Um, we we have solved the space problems because we, we believe discipleship, we believe growing together is critically important. And it was important enough that we decided not to go back to one service last year because we didn't want to interrupt that process. However, we've come up with the solutions now. And so we, we have prayerfully made the decision. We've been consulting with leaders in the church and and our board and all of this, uh, we, we feel, for what God wants to do this next year, that we should go back to one service. And so we're planning on that, beginning Labor Day weekend, that's three weeks from today. And we'll go from, the only adjustment for you, for us here at second service is to go from 1045 to 1030. Gonna move it up 15 minutes and have one 1030 service. There's a big adjustment for the nine o'clock folks. I had to walk them through this uh, about an hour ago. And um, and they were pretty quiet. Unfortunately, we're taking some choices away, but I appreciate most of them are gonna come with us for the sake of the whole. We did this Mother's Day, Father's Day, July 2nd weekend, fourth weekend. I mean, what joy we had in worshiping all together. We just feel like we're supposed to reinforce the connecting part of our church life, both with groups as well as corporately and just see what God does among us. We, and, and we think it'll be a better first-time experience for new guests that come. And um, and we will have some Sundays, we'll be pretty full in here. But we're gonna take this first service, which is much smaller than this service uh, when everybody's back. Uh, we're gonna take that service and combine it with this one and look at moving forward this fall in just one service.
1: You know, one of the things I have loved every time we've been able to be together, we experience this in 2017 and 18 pre-covid and we've experienced a few times this summer but just really feel a sense of unity in our church body uh, when we're able to be all together Uh, i think we worship differently when we're all together Uh, we encounter the presence of god in a special way and there's something that is grounding for all of us spiritually uh, as a body of believers this unification we feel by being all together and 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 not being split across a couple different services this is a change that's going to require a lot of logistics. Everybody's going to have to adjust to a new service time, some more some more than others, like 9 a.m. or 9 a.m., friends. Uh, but we've really prayerfully uh, walked through this, and we as a leadership team really believe uh, that we're in the a, a season of God doing something really special. You can see that when we uh, just share about the exciting ministries that are happening. We feel that when we're together in two services right now, Uh, the way that we worship and we experience the presence of God moving among us. We experience some uh, fantastic engagement with God's Word. We just believe that we can go to another level there uh, if we're able to do it all together. Um, You know, at some point, this is a huge auditorium. We're blessed with that. We're thankful for it. Uh, We may outgrow this, and there may be a day where we have to go back uh, to two services, and we'll prayerfully consider that when when the time is right. Uh, But for now, it just seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us uh, to move toward doing one service on a Sunday morning so we can all be together. And Again, this is made possible by uh, some changes that a lot of our groups have been willing to make. It's also been made possible because we've been able to do some light remodeling in our facility uh, thanks to being, at, being debt-free. Uh, we worked really hard to get debt-free. We were ahead of schedule last year. and We're doing work. Our, our facilities team has been doing work to prepare new spaces for this fall. All summer, we're going to be able to share some photos of that in a few weeks when a lot of that work uh, is done. But thank you for your faithfulness in giving. It's also made uh, helped us solve some problems we couldn't solve in the past. You know, the other opportunity here is it allows us to really refocus the 9 a.m. hour to be all about discipleship. Yeah. Uh, discipleship is really important, and we really believe there's two parts to it. It's learning, but it's not just learning. It's not just reading a good book. It's learning together, uh, that we need to be together to experience good discipleship. And we've got some wonderful opportunities that happen at all different times in the week. But we've heard from people that sometimes taking care of that on Sunday morning when you're already here, especially if you have kids and youth that are part of our kids and youth programs, is an appealing option to people. And we've got some amazing classes uh, that meet at 9 a.m. Uh, that uh, that are all now going to land at 9 a.m. So that 9 a.m. hour for us is going to be all about discipleship. In fact, whether you're an adult or whether you're a student uh, in youth or a student in elementary or even in preschool, that hour is all about all about intentional discipleship. We've got discipleship programs that uh, Pastor Jill and her team have been working on in our elementary area that are fantastic things that engage Bible memory in new ways, that expose kids to opportunities to serve in the church and what it looks like to be uh, on mission and be a minister of the gospel even uh, in their own lives as they go to school. We've got Uh, wonderful uh, classes for middle schoolers and high schoolers where they can ask questions and really engage and learn how to look at what the Bible says uh, about the things that we face in our everyday life. And we've got wonderful opportunities for adults as well. So we encourage everybody that is interested in that, find a way to be part of a group. We also have wonderful life groups uh, that meet at various times during the week. And uh, if you're interested in finding a group, we'll have a handout over the next few weeks uh, that talks about our 9 a.m. classes. We also, uh, if you go to our website right now, you click on the groups link at the top, uh, there's a button about halfway down that group page that says find a group. And if you click on that, it's got a list of every life group and Sunday morning class uh, that's open to new membership right now uh, and information, descriptions about each one. There's also a button there if you need help finding that, uh, you can contact Pastor Anthony and his team and they they are experts at helping you find a group that would be a right fit for you. We've got different days of the week, different times, different Stages of life, all sorts of ways that you can connect together uh, and learn together and be discipled together, disciple each other.
0: So this is good. Uh, We post-COVID also redesigned Wednesday nights. They've been meeting in the chapel up till uh, we'll make that change this fall. And I've been I I do a video-based 15-minute Bible studies called Scriptures with Pastor Jim. And uh, I use an iPad so you, I can underline words and circle and draw arrows and write on it. He's basically
1: it, the John Madden of preaching.
0: Yeah, John Madden and stuff. So, so it, it's a unique, nowhere else in the church life do we do that, quite that kind of teaching, but it's built around groups. And so then, then everyone's sitting in groups, and then we pray with one another and interact and engage questions out of the Bible study. I'm convinced we can't grow alone. We, we, we need each other and we need prayer. We've been trying to ramp up the prayer life of the church, and we have prayer things now Tuesday noon, Wednesday noon, Thursday noons. Uh, I Pray, which is women gathering monthly to pray in groups, and Wednesday night we also pray in groups as well. But we're gonna change the form, we're not gonna change the study, the the concept, but we're going to change the format. We're
1: going to actually just change the location and a little bit of the feel tonight. So if you're used to coming on Wednesdays, we'll talk about this more over the next couple weeks on Wednesdays. But starting in September, we're going to move scriptures with Pastor Jim from the chapel up to the upper foyer. Uh, We've got a little more flexibility in the upper foyer on how we can set up tables and create groupings for people. I also think we can create, it's a little more centrally located, so if you're dropping kids off over on this side of the building, you don't have to come all the way across Uh, the campus to the chapel. Uh, It also just creates a little bit more of a relaxed feel where we can just focus on connecting together. Still going to have the same wonderful teaching. Uh, We're going to have coffee. We've had coffee. We'll have coffee right up there. Uh, We're also working on having some other light refreshments from time to time uh, to just really create an atmosphere where it's easy for us to connect with each other and then learn around God's Word together. There are some people who use that as their life group meeting space for the week. That's an awesome way Uh, to do a life group together. There's some people who uh, come and want to be part of the same table every week. There's other people who want to come move around and meet new people and engage new people. Kind of however you want to engage that night, uh, there's some great ways to do that. But it's a wonderful night, again, especially if you're already here uh, for... Uh, for kids or youth or other activities with your family, uh, you can come up and be part of that. We also have those. all of those scripture lessons are available online. Uh, I can't say enough good about the quality of that teaching. In fact, we've been contacted by other churches across the country that have asked if they could start using it as small group curriculum. In fact, uh, we're aware of 20 life groups at Saddleback Church in California that are using the Exodus series there. So this is wonderful material that Pastor Jim is putting together for us. If you can't come on Wednesday, it would still be wonderful Uh, material for you to use we also have uh on wednesday night an important part of wednesday night is our choir our worship choir that adds so much value to our services uh on sunday that's going to be resuming in a couple weeks they're going to have a launch night that same first week of september if you've ever been interested in joining the choir this is a great time to do it and we're going to be telling you more about that in the next couple weeks but uh, circle that day uh you do not have to audition in fact i've been told i don't know if pastor josh has heard me saying but i've been told i could join the choir uh, even so, I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. But anybody can come and do it, it's about singing together, worshiping together. Those choir experiences are great on Wednesday night. We'd love to see uh, you be part of either Scriptures with Pastor Jim or our worship choir on Wednesday nights.
0: I was going to say something snide and cynical, but
1: I'll, oh, I think you should know. do it.
0: If you're in the choir, I'm not
1: coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's multi layers as to why that would be but we'll just leave it right there. We'll leave it right there. Well, on that happy note, if choir isn't where you want to surf, uh, Go ahead. Everything that we've talked about today needs volunteers to make it happen. Uh, we rely, you know, I pray, international fellowship, discipleship opportunities, our worship team and worship choir, prayer life, prayer groups, all of the things we're talking about and then some uh, require participation from volunteers that want to engage the gifts that God has blessed them with. And I talked about it a couple weeks ago when I got to preach uh, in one of these sermons, but we probably the area that we have the most growing to do is volunteering. We've seen a lot of people, you know, I think the net effect is uh, it's a good thing. We learned during COVID that we can, we can handle our own spiritual life on our own. We don't have to necessarily be here all the time to continue growing with the Lord. But the flip side of that has been, that's produced a little bit of a decrease in commitment. We see that in attendance and we really are feeling that still in the way that people volunteer and serve. And I'd encourage you today, if if you're not engaged in using your ministry gift somewhere, either here or outside the walls of this church or in the work that you do in interacting with people, that's part of our mission as believers. That's what we see in in this passage that not only do we connect to God and love others, but we can't do those two things without having a mission Uh, that we need to fulfill and if you have not taken that step if you're interested in exploring more about that we have a wonderful serve class that happens about once a month the next one's coming up during the 1045 service in room 123 right over here pastor anthony and his team lead that it's built around the strength finder course so you get to take the strength finder assessment that will tell you a little bit about how god created you created you uniquely and then we, we will go through available positions that you might be interested in where you can serve in various aspects of the ministry life of our church. If you haven't been to that class, it's worth your time. It's one of my favorite, favorite things that we do here. Pastor Anthony does a great job uh, leading that. And uh, if you can't do the one coming up on August 27th, I encourage you to try to make one of those this fall and see about where you can plug in and serve.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're constantly adding new people to the life of the church. Our giving's growing, everything. Uh, and sometimes not having enough volunteers does put a lid on things. But the other side of that is every one of us has purpose to live out. And we rarely say, you know, could you help us with this? We always try to say, here's an opportunity for you to live out your call. And that's really how we do look at volunteering. So that's great. And one more, this will circle us back. And then Pastor Carter, you can finish this off here with uh, coming back to the text of scripture we were in. Um, With volunteers, We are aware that, um, for those of you who volunteer once a month in our second service time, um, and thank you for your willingness to just shift 15 minutes earlier to 10.30, uh, but like my wife is volunteering right now in preschool, uh, which she does once a month downstairs, but she got to go to 9 a.m. service. Now, with just one service, she's not going to have a service to attend. And they're all on YouTube within a day or two you can watch the whole service online but I I, I do appreciate those of you volunteers willing to make that sacrifice we don't take that for granted and uh, we'll try to walk you through that as as well as we can okay we're gonna take communion just a few moments and worship and give opportunity for any of you want to be prayed for thank you for just having a church uh, kind of church family time here but Carter, where we left off, the two great commandments, uh, there's a really interesting moment right at the end of that.
1: Yeah, we see Jesus has said that, you know, this teacher of the law, a scribe who's aware of all of the Jewish custom and tradition, asked Jesus this, this question. And we see in verse 32 that he is impressed with Jesus' answer. He says, well said, teacher, you are right in saying that God is one and that there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Mm -hmm. That's a really fascinating statement from this Jewish teacher. Uh, We see, we mentioned before, there are 613 precepts that Jews had deduced from the law that they were to follow. 365 of those were negative. That's like one a day of what you shouldn't do. And then there's 248 that were affirmative, that were things that you need to do. And a significant portion of those 248 affirmative ones would be related to sacrifices and offering uh, burnt offerings to the Lord. And this Jewish teacher is basically saying, as important as that is, the most important thing, you're right, Jesus, is to love God and to love each other first. That that trumps everything, that we will get everything else in the law right if we can get these two things right and Jesus answer back to him is even more fascinating Uh, verse 34 says when Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely he said to him you are not far from the kingdom of God I think that's a fascinating statement I think boy let that be said of us as a church body right we're not far uh, from the kingdom of God if we get those things right Uh, we're not far from the kingdom. I think this is the capstone statement really of the book of Mark. We have a few chapters left where we see uh, you know, Jesus' arrest and death and burial and resurrection and ascension. Uh, But we wanted to end here in our series because this is the capstone statement. I think this encapsulates this theme that we've seen ongoing in the book of Mark as we've looked at this series for I think 14 different sermons now uh, that Jesus wants us to to prioritize relationships over rule following, right? To love God, we have to have a relationship with God. Love requires a relationship. Jesus wants a personal relationship with us. And we have to love each other. That requires relationships with one another. And we've seen Jesus make examples of that as he's, uh, you know, healed people, even in adverse conditions. In fact, he doesn't always heal people. He usually stops and has a conversation with them, doesn't move on. He feeds them when they're hungry. He's cast out demons from those who were oppressed. He's stopped you know, to talk to people along the way and to build relations with people. We've watched the the depth of relationships that he's built with his disciples. We've also seen him deal harshly with some people who get this wrong and put religious rules ahead of the relationship with God and with others. He literally turned over tables a couple weeks ago we saw when people were getting this wrong. So this is kind of the capstone statement and it, it ends, I think it's fascinating that we get to end right where we began, back on April 23rd, the first series, uh, message in this series was about the kingdom of God. And it was, uh, we looked at Mark chapter 1 verse 14 that says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe the good news. So the kingdom of God has come near to us and then we see in this, in this verse in Mark chapter 12 that we have the opportunity to draw near to the kingdom of God, to not be far from it. We know that uh, we belong, we live in a present age, but we belong to an age to come, was kind of the thesis point of that first message. And what a reminder on how we can do that. I think it's easy to sometimes live in the present age and almost belong to the present age for people. Uh, But that's not what God calls us to do. It's not what Jesus calls us to do at the end of this message. He's calling us to live not far from the kingdom of God.